And um, we'll pray as you turn in there. So, Father, we thank you for this time, Lord, where we can come together. God, we thank you for the moms, Lord. We thank you for the gift of life. It's amazing that you chose to do it um, through women. Men will never experience it, Lord. And, um, and God, we just choose to honor them this morning, Lord. We pray, God, that you speak to our hearts, Lord, through women of faith in your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, so in your bulletin, you have a yellow piece of paper. And as you came in, you should have got a carnation. If you're a female, shouldn't be any males a carnation. Um, on the first slide here, if you take a look, so the reason why we do that is on the next slide, we have a, a picture. Right, so this is the woman that started Mother's Day. Uh, 1908, first Mother's Day, West Virginia, and um, it wasn't because of any particular group or anybody coordinating, getting together. It was just on her heart, in her mind. She's like, man, I just love my mom. I appreciated her so much. And so she approached the pastors of the church there and said, hey, why don't we do a unique service um, for the mothers? And what she did is she got white carnations. That's like the flower for Mother's Day, the original. And um, what she also did, uh, kind of a hallmark um, of her Mother's Day uh, celebration, was writing a letter to mom. So in fact, her life story is like kind of a little bit depressing at the end. Um, so she has this mom, she approaches the pastors of the church, um, they end up doing a Mother's Day, and that's kind of the roots. And then she eventually, eventually talks to um, lawmakers, or uh, the mayor in her town, then lawmakers you know, of the state, gets legislation, and by... Uh, middle of the 1900s, it passes as a federal holiday. But one thing she wanted to fight for is that she did not want Mother's Day to be heavily commercialized. That's a loss, right? It didn't work out that way. Once businesses get a hold of that, they know it's a moneymaker, so, but that's what she fought against. Um, in fact, one time she even got uh, arrested by protesting a certain march going on for Mother's Day because it was like, heavily commercialized and no, she's like, no, this is not what I had in mind, you know. What she had in mind for Mother's Day was for sons or daughters to take time out, just be with them, write something down, man, that just is coming right from the heart, and just being with mom, and just telling her how much she's appreciated. Not trying to use other ways and words of other people, right, but just saying it that way. Um, and so that's why I put her quote up here. Um, a printed card means nothing. Here's a nice stab at people that bought a card. Um, so a printed card means nothing except that you're too lazy to write to the woman who has done more for you than anyone in the world. Ouch. And candy, you take a box to mother and then eat most of it yourself. A pretty sentiment. Right? So she was like directed to the point of how she felt about Mother's Day um, and just kind of the idea that she had. Um, and so I don't put that up there to make you feel bad if you bought a card. Um, I just put it up there just to give you an idea of the original sentiment behind Mother's Day. It's intended to be with mom, hang out with mom, really share how much you care about her. Um, and if you'd like to, I put a piece of paper in there. You can write her a letter, your own words. Even if you did the card already, I'm pretty sure she's not going to mind if you write it down. Um, let me also say this. I know that uh, you know, Mother's Day is quite like any holiday, Father's Day as well. It's a really mixed bag. 
And so Mother's Day can actually be a like, horrifically horrible day um, for some people. And it can be filled with um, a lot of pain and a lot of reg- regret and maybe even a lot of stuff that maybe men or women tried to put out of their minds and they get reminded about it again on Mother's Day or they get reminded about it again on Father's Day. Um, and because of that reason, um, there's a lot of churches that choose to not even talk about those days. They just say happy whatever and then never really address it. I think at the same time, some mothers that have done good, that should also be celebrated too, you know? So it's kind of like now this balancing act of, hey, there's hurting hearts that need healing. Um, And then, man, there's moms that have honored and done really well. And they should be celebrated. So, one thing... You know, the pain, right, that just surrounds it is something that we can't get across. And this is why I chose this passage this morning. Um, because I don't know where everybody falls on Mother's Day and how it feels and what kind of moms or women. I mean, just all throughout the land, right? This is a day of, you know, you know moms that wanted to have kids, you know, they couldn't. And so now they're sitting there, you know, am I a real mom, you know? Or uh, maybe some moms have made some bad choices. And then they're sitting there and being like, ah. Oh, you know, I really mess these things up, you know. And then they look at their kids and they're like, yeah. it's just a reminder of how, fall, how short they've fallen. Um, and uh, it's sad, you know, it's sad. And what happens is, is the enemy a lot of times becomes really successful with that lie or that feeling and that pain um, really becoming a dominant force in a person's life. Dare I say, even like an idol to where that thing owns a lot of a person so much so that they even avoid it and try not to go near it, which is scary. It's just scary. Um, so I think what we should do, too, before we even start the message, is just, like, pray. I don't even know if there's hurting hearts. There might be hurting hearts in here right now. You know, I don't know. But we should pray for them, right, and have people take advantage of the day. So, Lord, we just place into your hands... Got any hurt or pain that may be there? We ask you, Father, to bring the healing that's needed. Lord, if there's confession that needs to happen, I pray, Father, that the woman or maybe even the man that's been hurt, Lord, would do it. That they'd confess it to you, Lord. That they would give it over to you and ask for you to have it and put it on your shoulders. Father, we're not called to carry around that stuff, Lord. And God, when we confess it and we come clean to you, you're an amazing, forgiving God. And we don't have to live in the mistakes of our past. You have grace for the present and for the future. And Father, I pray that that, the lies maybe that just have taken root in some hearts, maybe even in this room, or throughout Naugatuck, Lord, just throughout our town, Throughout this valley, God, this state, there's probably just a lot of women that are just hurting today, Lord. And so we lift them up to you and we intercede for them. And we ask you, Father, to touch their hearts. May you just meet with them. May you give them comfort, Lord. God, just be there for them, Lord. I pray that they would find you when they seek you, Lord. And we just pray for the Christians around their lives, God. That you'd fill them with love, Lord, and you'd give them an ability, God, to just Love them and pour value into their lives, Lord. May 
give the Christians around their lives an ability to see the value and worth and destiny in their hearts and on their lives. Because sometimes all that we can see is the pain and the regret. Father, we thank you for who you are, Lord. And we thank you that you are for us. And that we can trust you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Isn't it nice to know that the Christians can pray and intercede for people who don't even know whose hearts maybe that are hurting that are hurting and need healing today? And we just did that as a church family. It's awesome. We can do that. And the Bible encourages us to do that. And the Bible says that our prayers are powerful and effective. And when we're really there and praying, you know, for those women and for those hurting hearts, man, that just gives us a little bit of a glimpse of a picture that our hearts are good and He's doing a good work in us because, man, we care. We don't even know them. But we know that they're out there and that they're hurting. And we know that at the end we're about to capitalize on that and keep that thing rolling. And we're looking to stand in the gap. Looking to stand in the gap. Even if we ourselves are still dealing with stuff. It's awesome. Okay, so 2 Kings chapter 4. We're talking about real women here, not perfect ones. You know, Proverbs 31 is a popular um, passage for Mother's Day. And it's definitely a good passage. And it, and it lays out, man, what a godly woman is like. It's a good one. It's a good one. Sometimes it can give the impression or give the feeling of overwhelmment because for someone when they read it, they're like, oh, that's, that's nice. I have a long way to go. You know, so it becomes like this heavy thing. And God didn't intend it for, for it to be a heavy thing. He intended it for it to be, hey, listen, this is something to strive for. This is what I'm going to do in your life. This is what I'm going to bring about. And so something to strive for and to thank God for the promise that's on a woman's life that's in Christ. It's not meant to be a heavy thing. But I didn't choose that passage this morning. I didn't really feel like God really laid that one on my heart too much. It just felt like this one because these are... It doesn't seem to be anyways like these are really the Proverbs 31 kind of perfect women. These are just like your regular women going through stuff, dealing with things. Um, And in these particular cases, in the middle of heartache and pain, dealing with some tough stuff. So let's take a look. Um, Because I think we can all relate, even if we're moms or not, um, women or not, they... um, what these women did and how they acted and where their hearts were, we can certainly all relate. And you know what? Before I do that, I wanted to uh, read you a couple of quotes I, hear, I have here from uh, Mother's Day. So here we go. A couple of quotes I came across this week. If evolution... Uh-oh, we said it in church. If evolution really works, how come mothers only have two hands? Yet another good apologetic argument against evolution. Here's another quote. Travis, that's pretty good, right? Yep. Here you go. Another quote. I refer to Travis because he, that's like his thing. That's like his niche, you know, apologetics and science and reasoning. So, so here we go. 24-7, once you sign on to be a mother, that's the only shift they offer. Uh-huh. This one's pretty funny. Mothers of teens know why some animals eat their young. Julie, we're getting there, right? We're not there yet. When your mother asks, do you want a piece of advice? It's a mere formality. 
It doesn't matter if you answer yes or no, you're going to get it anyways. And we got one more here. Um, All that I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. That was Abraham Lincoln. It's a pretty good one. All right, here we go. 2 Kings chapter 4. Let's take a look. Uh, In your bulletin there, I got a Mother's Day trivia question. I'm not going to tell you the answer. You got to go find it. Be a worthwhile hunt, though. What was the last recorded? Oh, I said reordered. That's no good. What was the last recorded words of Mary in the Bible? Where in the Bible are they? So I'll give you some homework for you this week. Some people will do that now, and they won't even catch back to the sermon in 15 minutes. All right, 2 Kings chapter 4 says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. So you got this wife, um, and her husband was part of this company, this group called the prophets. Um, so in this time, Old Testament time, and this was kind of a dark time for Israel, um, they basically had this group, the prophets, and really they were the only really faithful men really kind of left in Israel. And they heard from God, and they wanted to pursue after God, uh, but everybody else around did not. And so her husband was part of the group. And they cried out to this guy, Elisha. And Elisha is a very famous Old Testament man, prophet. And uh, he came after Elijah. Everybody say Elijah. Elijah. Right? Elijah. And you got Elisha. So Elijah came first, and he went around, and God worked through him in amazing ways. And then Elisha ended up taking over after him. And he inherited the kind of um, gifting and ability that Elijah had. In fact, he inherited even more. And so this wife, for a man who was a company of the prophets, she would know about Elisha because he hung out with them. And so she's approaching him. Your servant, right, talking to Elisha. Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. So she comes up to him saying, Listen, you know my husband was with the prophets. He was with you guys. You know who he is. Um, He ends up dying. And so now, apparently, they have a big-time debt. I don't know what happened, or what the debt is about, or where it came from. Nonetheless, it's a pretty heavy-duty debt. And um, the creditor is looking to collect, and she doesn't have anything, and so looking to take the sons. It's pretty heavy-duty. It does not sound that great. Think about my own two boys, and somebody were to come take along, and you know, try and snag them. I think, Julie, you've got your wits on, right? Or, I'm not rolling over for that one, you know? Um, there's a, a reference, and I have a couple of verses on here about, you know, what's this deal with taking the kids? Like, it sounds kind of odd and bizarre. Um, just a little bit of a background on it. Exodus 22. If you lend money to any of my people who are poor among you, you shall not be like a money lender to him. You shall not charge him interest. And really, in the original language, it's like exorbitant, like exceedingly great interest. If you ever take your neighbor's garment as a pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. So the idea being here is that, um, you know, if you lend anything or do anything like that, you know, charge some interest, you know, okay, but this should not be a way to where um, they become in so much debt to you that, man, they literally own everything in the farm and they still can't pay it back. 
that was like not the idea for debt. And most of us don't know much about that. I mean, we know credit card, we know Visa, MasterCard, Wells Fargo. Um, they're gladly give you lots and lots of money. You probably got offers this week, and they're hoping you take all of it. And they want you in debt for everything. Right? That was not the original intent, was to put money first before the person. Um, and the next passage here, uh, Leviticus, yeah. And if one of your brethren who dwells by you becomes poor and sells himself to you, you shall not compel him to serve as a slave. As a hired servant and a sojourner, he shall be with you and shall serve you until the year of Jubilee. And then he shall depart from you, he and his children with him, and shall return to his own family. He shall return to possession of his fathers, for they are my servants who I brought out of the land of Egypt. They shall not be sold as slaves. You shall not rule over him with rigor, but you shall fear your God. So God makes it clear, like in the Old Testament, there is this place, you know, for people to pay back their debts. But the debt should not be exceeding. It shouldn't be just trying to go after people and just trying to make money off them, or that's the most important thing. And the other interesting thing is that they're not supposed to treat them with rigor and very harsh. And they're also going to be freed in the year of Jubilee. That's more homework for you this week. You can look at the year of Jubilee. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty neat the way God had this set up. They hardly ever lived by it, but it was a really good idea and scenario to have in place. And knowing Israel at this point in time, like I said, the nation was just a mess. You had the group of prophets, who really the only faithful ones. So chances are, whoever the creditor is, he's not looking to abide by this. He's probably looking to get as much as he can. And he's probably not looking to set these kids free in the year of Jubilee. Because he's probably just going to think, oh man, I'm going to lose all this possible productivity out of him. So let's get back to here. So now I have an understanding of like where this idea of taking kids is coming from. There was a place in the Old Testament, but it had a particular focus on making sure whatever was missing got covered, but not devaluing and oppressing a person or a family. So let's see. Verse 2. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And so this is the woman that you just picture, man. She's probably just at her wits end. Physically in pain, mentally in pain, emotionally exhausted. If she's like most women, she's probably thought about this from every possible angle a couple of million times. What can I do here? How can I do this here? She probably even approached the guy. Like, she tried to work out anything she possibly can. If she had the internet, she would research all of the internet to see who could help out, try to talk to whoever. And then, it's probably not a mistake to also think, God, what is the deal? My husband was one of the few people in the land that served you. And so now we're in this position. God, what are we doing? I don't understand. This doesn't seem right. All we've been is faithful. You could see how she could definitely be thinking that, right? So here she's at, and she approaches him. He's like, yeah, what can I do? I don't know. Interesting response here. Tell me, what do you have in your house? That's the response. So uh, he's going to buy you. He's going to take your kids, and she, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Except a little oil. 
I got that one highlighted in my Bible, underlined, boxed off, and circled. The reason why I got that highlighted, boxed off, and circled is because it says, except for a little, or just, there's just a little bit left. That's all we need. That's it. Actually, and a lot of times you don't even need that much. Right? Because last time I checked, last time I checked, God took a stick and gave it to Moses. He said, hey, listen, use this when you get in trouble. And he used a stick to set free millions of people and part the Red Sea. A stick. He took bait that we read about last week with loaves of bread and he fed 15,000 people or so. This is what he does. He just takes a little bit. That's what he does. So when I read through the passage and I see that part, I'm already getting excited. Oh my gosh, she's got a little bit. And really the truth is, even if she had nothing, he'd still do something with it. Because that's how he even created the world. He just breathed it into being. So there's a little bit there. So Elisha said, go around and ask all of your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. So he says, go to your neighbors, your whole neighborhood, get anything that's going to hold some kind of container, anything that's going to hold liquid of any kind. Go get them. Now can you imagine this? So your sons are probably going to be taken away. Obviously, they have no money. They have nothing because she said that. So she's pretty poor. And then she's going to go around the block, around the village, the neighborhood. Say, hey, listen, you got any cups? Uh, do you have any bowls? Do you have any pitchers? Do you have any jars? I need them. Someone at the door is going to be like, that's weird. The why question is coming. Because they're not just going to be like, well, that's weird, but here you go. Most people are going to ask. What is she going to say? This is like where faith comes in here. Well, I don't know. You know, I'm going to use it. I, I think we're going to be getting something. I'm going to bake a lot of bread for everybody. And she could have made up like some lie or something. It's probably safe to assume, though, she's going to tell them the truth and say, hey, listen, I talked to Elisha. I got nothing left. I need my boys back. He told me to get jars and containers because God's going to do something, so I'm doing it. I love that faith step. She must have probably felt like a failure, possibly. And even like, man, this is, I don't understand what he's doing right now. This makes no sense. My kids are going to be taken, and I'm collecting jars. How does this work? We've all been at a place like that in life and will be at places like that in life. God, I feel like I'm supposed to go this particular direction and go this particular place. And you got me doing this. How does this get me there? And so sometimes you could be stuck in that place and like question God for a while and put him on trial and, you know, be in a bad place. But man, he's working. He's working. 
So she's going grabbing stuff, and I wish I could have heard the conversations. Don't you wish you could have heard the conversations with the neighbors going on? Oh, you're crazy, you know? Oh, really? I wonder if some of them were excited and had the same faith. And they gave them out. They said, now I want to go to your house. I want to see what's going to happen. Give me a shout when something's going down. They're going to start to do something. So it says, she left him. Oh, sorry, we'll go verse 4. So it says, then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. So after she gets everything, they're supposed to be in the house and shut the door. This is going to be a family moment. This is not for public entertainment. This is going to be a family moment. We're going to watch God do something right here and now. Good moms know when to do that and how to do that. This is family time. We've got to get into this. So then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. So she left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, the boys, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, Elisha, and he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Check out the original language here. You and your son can live on what is left. You and your son can retire and be all set. She went from her kids about to be taken. Hopeless wit's end. I don't even know how much faith she had at that point. To where in a couple of verses she's going to be set for life. Man, that is awesome. It's awesome. One for her, I'm happy for her. That's great. And I'm happy for the family. I'm also happy for the Christian. Myself, for you. Do you think it's any coincidence that when she came and offered God all that she had, that he did something miraculous with it? By no means just a coincidence and just a unique situation for her. And that's why I love this woman and this story because it very clearly shows us that we are called to give God all that we have, even if it's, I love that it's empty, empty jars and containers, and not just my empty stuff. I'll give up all my neighbors' empty stuff too. And hope I can't even bring enough stuff because it keeps flowing. And I'm not suggesting that we just give everything like that with a hope to where it's financial like it was in this case. Sometimes it might be financial and dollar signs might be flowing. But that's not the ultimate. The ultimate is offering ourselves up to Him and watching what He does through our lives and in us that's going to overflow to those around us. Money's great, but you know what changes lives? Love. 
grace, compassion, selflessness. That's going to just, man, just wipe through people and wipe through families. And we are called to give all that we got. Like we talked about last week in John. Five loaves and two fish. He could have done the same miracle if he just broke a piece of the fish off and took a couple of crumbs. He could have easily done that. He wanted everything that the boy had. He took it off and did it. And that's like what we're called to as a Christian. God makes it really clear to us. Listen, if you want to follow me, you want to be my disciple, I want all of you. All of you. Everything you've got, it's going to cost you your whole life. That's a big time thing. Took Jesus everything. All of his blood, everything. And God wants everything. Nothing held back. Why? Because he's like an egomaniac? No, man, because he knows that when we're in him, we were created by him and for him, he knows that in him, we will experience life the way it was intended to be. And with that, comes freedom. That is huge! To go through life. Just be able to breathe and not constantly be battling and feeling down and out and frustrated and overwhelmed and oh my gosh, I'm just like sickness waiting to happen. I'm another problem waiting to happen. I'm just going to like... No good. We're called to be free. Free from ourselves, what our flesh wants to tell us. And maybe even the habits that we formed in it, that God wants to break. We're called to be free from that stuff. We're also called to be free from this world that's designed to leave God out of the equation. And ultimately, we're called to be free from sin eternally. That's awesome. That's really good news. And man, people, Christians, really understand and know God's heart when they take those risks and they just give Him everything. Father, I'm giving you all of my sex life right now. Anything I do with my body, below the belt, above the belt, you own it. I'm looking to glorify you with it. Hey, okay. You do that. We're called to do that and see what he does. See what he does. It's going to lead to some unbelievable freedom. The other heavy-hitting one, finances. Lord, it's yours. I will move, go, and give with whatever you want to do. It's awesome what Joanna was talking about. The, the, the thing that stuck out the most to what she said, I don't even know what's going to happen. And right away, she even went, wait. Right away, she said, it doesn't even matter. Ah, that's the best. That's the best. Because we can follow after him. Lord, lay this out. Show me this. Just let me know. Show me something. Give me a sign. Man, I hope we can come back and be like, Lord, even if you don't, I'm still going. I'm yours. I'm all in. And I picked those particular, those two particular areas of difficulty because honestly, if he has our wallets and our bank accounts and he has our sex lives, he's got us pretty good. 
That's the truth. If he's got those things, he's got a good grasp on us. Because if he's got the sex life, then he's got like the body. He, we understand this is his temple. We're going to try and take care of it. And try and do things that show that it's important. When we take care of it, so we'll focus on you know, how we eat and when we exercise and what we do. And we've got our wallets and our money. Man, we, just, we work all week for that money. And we think it's ours. He's trying to get us out of that. It's not, it's not even yours. And he lets us hold 90% of it. It's great. Until he put something on our heart, maybe we just got to give away that 90% or 80% or whatever it is. I don't know. Because work is not even just about making the money. It's about being there and becoming love in that work environment. God, you've placed me here around these people. Man, it's so... Here's the way it goes. God, it's so awesome that you love these people so much that you put me here to show your love through me. Huh. Approach work like that. That's what we're called to do. The money will just come. He promises to meet our needs. Whatever. It's not a bad thing to like, you know, have a retirement set up and like be wise about money and try and budget and do things. Good, good, good. Hope he doesn't become an idol. But good. Right? We're called to offer all that we have. And to not live vicariously through other people's stories that sound really good. We're called to have our own personal stories of, man, I stepped out. I had no idea what I was doing. I was really just afraid, but I submitted, and here's what he did. It's got to be our stories, our life, our faith. And it's going to be no coincidence what he's going to do after that. And he's really good at taking sticks, rocks. I mean, he had Ezekiel. He told Ezekiel to go out in the wilderness. Because Ezekiel's like, ah, oh, yeah, God, nobody follows you. Like a valley of dead, dry bones. You know, it's just nobody responds. Nobody cares. So God tells him. He says, go, in layman's terms. Go to the graveyard. They're just bones. Dead people. And he said, man, you just speak to them. He told him. He he said, just go preach. Just go speak to them. Man, and they just became alive. I don't even know how that works. Many times it just makes us like do the, it seems like the most useless, silly, just dumb thing. And many times like we can't even see on purpose. We can't even see the other side. Do you think that maybe he's trying to develop in us a life that's rooted in faith and not by sight? I think so. Pretty sure it's in there. Walk by faith, not by sight. So when this woman was going door to door and grabbing all this stuff, I'd like to think, hopefully if that was me, and we put our shoes there, you put yourself in their sandals, hopefully we're going door to door, not just a mess that's just, you know, barely making it to the door. I don't even know. Just you have a cup. I just need a cup. You know, and just like falling apart. They're going to take my kids. I don't even know what's going to happen. All I did, I was good to God. I don't even know why I'm doing this now, but he just told me, so I'm just doing it. Sometimes that's the way we come to him. 
I'm hoping for us, what we're called to, what we're called to be, is show up at the door. God's going to do something awesome. So I need every cup you got, every bowl you have. I'm probably going to come back and tell you something amazing he's going to do. Well, aren't they going to take your kids? Yeah, 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 supposedly. But listen, God's doing something right now. He's working on it. Yeah, but I know so-and-so. He always collects his debts. That Your kids are going to be with him forever. He's doing something. I can trust him. That's what we're called to be. I hope we would approach the doors like that and be collecting the jars like that and not have the threat of what's going to happen be the idol in our lives. We'll be like, God be the center of our lives and we'll have him dictate the situation. He's going to be faithful. I know who he is. I'm not going to lose it. He's got me. And you know what? Even if he does choose to take my kids, he's going to create a way where this is going to work out and it's going to be right. That's called faith. Not wishful thinking. But it's wishful thinking if we really haven't been with God and we don't really know the heart of God and what he says. Then it's just we're hoping for the best. And it's like basically throwing a dart at a dartboard and just hoping we hit. And God says in His Word that it's impossible to please God without faith. So it says in Hebrews, it's impossible to please God without faith. So I love this woman here. Stepping up, and I don't know how much faith she had. She had just enough to go to the doors and collect it. She had enough to shut the door and set the model for her boys right then and there. Mom, what are you doing? Why do we have all this empty stuff? We got like an ounce left in our container. We're really going to listen to him and try this? It's a good mom right there. It's awesome. Yeah, boys, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure what's going to happen. He told us to do it. We're just going to be obedient and do it. It doesn't look good. It's a good mom. It's an awesome mom. Stepping in faith. So the plan was like to read the rest of chapter 4, but... Uh, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. So, later this week, chapter 4 is great. Right after that, another woman, her son, and uh, that's just a great story too. Um, and I like that one because she couldn't have kids, and that's a good one, you know, for Mother's Day. And um, God did something, and then it's like it turned worse. And then she's like, what are you doing? I didn't even ask for this. She didn't even ask for a job, and God gave her one. And then stuff got worse, and it's like, I didn't even ask. You made my life more difficult, and... It's interesting. It's good stuff. Um, But as far as this widow goes, the message I think that's for us is, man, just bring it. Everybody say it. Just Just bring it. it. That's what we're called to do. Say it one more time. Just bring it. That's it. That's all we're called to do. Just bring it. Just bring it. Got to offer myself to you. I understand... It's going to cost me probably a lot of what I'm about to bring to you. It's going to hurt. Because, man, I'm really attached to some things. And he's going to show us really how attached we are. And many times how selfish we are about stuff. But, man, we've got to just bring it. Got to just bring it. We're called into a lifestyle of fellowship with him. And communion with him. And encounter with him. Bible, memory, memorizing Bible verses is good, and we should do it. 
But man, hopefully they become a part of us and we actually become those verses as well. Oh yeah, I should do this or I should do that. I know God is telling me to do this. Man, what's holding us back? Why aren't we going hard and aggressive after this thing? I mean going hard. Like our lives and other people's lives depend on it. Like it's actually spiritual warfare. Because you think the enemy would make it easy for you to bring it all in? Heck no. He's going to remind you at every turn how much it's going to cost you and how miserable it will be and how you'll never be able to do it and how you have crap to offer. It's nothing but an empty whatever. Man, be ready for that stuff. It's coming. It's definitely coming. And hopefully it won't move us. Hopefully not. And if we feel shaky, we've got to get with other Christian brothers and sisters. I'm feeling shaky. I want to be selfish here. I'm tempted to go my own way. I'm tempted to think what I'm about to do right now doesn't matter. Help me. Speak life into me. Are there any verses anywhere? Can you help me? On that note, outside in the hallway, there's like little jars. And they're labeled, um, what are they, anxious, forgiveness, what else we got? Anger, fear, love, salvation. So on the corner, right, so sometimes people are looking for words of life with that. Um, Some of the women from the women's group, uh, they got jars out there, they're labeled with those words. (laughs) They're labeled with those words on popsicle sticks inside the jar. Just, you could take them, they're for you to take. So if you're like, man, I need a couple of verses on that one right there. Just take them. They don't want them back, though. Just take them. It's not like a library deal. Just take them. They're there for encouragement, okay? So if you need that stuff, you know, take them. And again, lean on each other. Um, Because the prayer is for us that we would be a community, a church of people that just bring it. That just bring it. We're just a bunch of blue-collar people, probably with more failures and successes. And we're just going to bring it. Because it doesn't even matter. Because he's perfect at taking nothing or a little bit of something and making it everything and anything that he wants. But that will only be a cliche until we actually do it. It only sounds really nice and look good on a Facebook post or Twitter post. Until we got a story where we actually did it. Man, I want lots of those. We're called to have a life of that. So what we'll do is we're going to take some communion together. Um, And Eric, we could just play that song in the background soft, that last one, Holy Spirit. Um, The elements are up here. If you're not a Christian, I wouldn't take it. Um, The Bible says it's just, uh, it's more harm than good. Um, and if you are just hold on to the elements we're going to take them together and uh, we'll also do this Um, maybe this will be somebody's first ever communion I'll give you the chance right now so if you could just uh, close your eyes and bow your head right I mentioned that you probably don't want to take communion if you feel like you can't say God, I'm all in. I give you everything. My sex life, my wallet, my body, my family. You have all of it. 
You have all of it. I'm submitting all of it to you. So if somebody can say that, then they probably don't want to take communion. Now, if somebody struggles with that, that's another story. That's okay. But if somebody can't say it at all, then you probably shouldn't take communion. So um, if you'd like to be able to say that and say, Lord, I give it all to you. I want to give you all of my life. I want you to have your way completely. Not my happiness, but your will be done. You'll take care of my happiness in the meantime. Um, just uh, raise your hand. Everybody's eyes are closed, heads are bowed. Just raise your hand if you're going to take communion for the first time today. All right, and so Lord, we give this time over to you, Lord. We give this communion over to you, Father. We take it in thanksgiving. We say thank you for what you've done, and we thank you for how you've empowered us to live this life. We thank you that you're doing a transformation in our lives. Sometimes we can't see it. And sometimes other people love to remind us about what a failure we are. But Father, we pray that you continue to speak loudly to our hearts, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would hear your voice and be close to your truth. And that your hope would be the anchor of our soul. So we offer this time to you, Lord. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so yeah, you can line up and just hold on to the elements when you grab them. We'll take it together. Thank you.